Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 12th Row Podcast. I am your host, Josh Baskin, and of course, I am joined by co-host Will. Will, as uh, I mentioned last week with March Madness, it is it has been craziness, uh, as always. It seems like I say in the in the world of football, not even just in basketball. I know I know my March Madness bracket is totally out the window. I don't know if you did one. I don't even know if you knew March Madness was even happening. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like I said, Will, crazy week of football is normal. We've got uh, a decent amount to talk about today. Um, we've got the international break. Uh, that happened or started today. We've got some FA Cup action, some Europa League action, and some other action around Europe that we're going to dive into today. Now, with uh, with the international break happening, um, there's a, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. We've had uh, some, some call-ups that were uh, maybe a little unexpected from some national teams and some results that happened today, at least, that uh, were also a little uh, unexpected that we'll talk about. But, Will... I'm going to jump into the FA Cup, and that's where we're going to start off, if you're ready to go here. Yeah, let's let's get into it. There's a lot that happened. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we're going to start off with uh, a performance that was not as uh, expected, or one that uh, we wanted to happen. We had Leicester take down Manchester United 3-1. to one. You know, last week, Will, we, we talked about, you know, Manchester United season a little bit, you know. Do they prioritize Europa League, FA Cup? What is what is Manchester United going to do? Or Ole going to Solskjaer going to have to do to maybe even keep his job and, and get some silverware into Old Trafford? Um, but we had a, a 3-1 loss, unfortunately, to Leicester City. Kalechi Ihianacha with two goals, Gira Tillemans with one. Mason Greenwood getting on the score sheet. Uh, Kalechi Ihianacha was playing the best he's ever played, which which is surprising because I thought he was always pretty decent at City. Um, but well, we talked about you know what kind of lineup and formation are we going to see from both sides. Uh, we saw uh, a decent attacking lineup out of uh, Manchester United's camp. Uh, we saw Martial up front, Pogba and Donny getting a start. Uh, Pogba returning from injury. Uh, we had Matic and Fred in there, Tejas, and normally the same back line with Henderson there. And from the Leicester side, you saw him in a three-four-one-two, uh, something that really isn't. Uh, as known from Leicester City, so you know I, uh, I I was a little surprised to see that coming out of the Leicester camp. Um, however, they they were able to to you know go through Manchester United pretty easily uh, in the draw, and and something that I wasn't really expecting. I don't know if you were expecting. Um, I wasn't able to catch this game, so I don't have too much to say on it. Um, well, when you look at, at the lineup here from United and the result, do you have anything to say? I, I know it's obviously disappointing, but you know it. Uh, it it's it's not a, a great result for United, obviously. Yeah, it just it reeked of lack of standard between the midfield. I mean, Fred afterwards on social media, he got destroyed, raked over the coals. I mean, people were just blown away that he was on the pitch for 84 minutes when you had the likes of McTominay and you know, some of your more inventive players on the bench. Uh, people were pretty upset with how Pogba got pulled off and how Danny Van de Beek got pulled off. I mean, you have a guy you brought in for 40 mil, you give him 60 minutes on an odd game in you know, a month, and how are you expecting him to perform? If you see him in your plans, you have to play him often. So I, I think it was a little bit of 
sparing of blushes a little bit because Ole knew he had to rotate the squad. And at the same time, he didn't want to come out and say, you know, I'm just tossing this FA Cup game. But I think he kind of did. I think the spirits at United were kind of focused on that Europa League win against Milan. And at the same time, Leicester played really, really well. They executed everything perfectly. Yeah. Uh, the likes of Yuri Tielemans, man, he's he's world class. So, uh, I know you've been on him since 2017, back when I was yeah. a freshman at school. I remember playing career mode. It was it was him and a Bazaar you were always wanted to sign there. So, yeah, yeah he's he's really also got a, a. Oh yeah. I was just saying, I think Leicester have the best midfield in the Prem. If you're isolating it to two, if it's a two man system, Ndidi and Tielemans are the best. Him and Ndidi, yeah. Most definitely. And, you know, Tielemans also has that lockdown center mid position now pretty much of the Belgian national team. And, and as you know, this golden generation that we've been talking about for a while here, if you get a spot in that in that, in that that team at all, you, you're a serious baller. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's a great player. And, you know, he's not really one to do the goal scoring. So uh, for Leicester and their fans, good to see him get on the score sheet. And like I said, Ihianacho is playing like prime Messi right now. He's got seven goals in his past few appearances. I know we had four against uh, Sheffield United, or three or four against Sheffield United, but you know uh, it's it's not easy to put the ball in the back of the net, obviously, uh, at that level. Yeah. So, uh, well, one I, I do want to move away from. We'll touch on uh, the other games in the FA Cup. Uh, Chelsea took care of Sheffield two uh, nothing. City took care of Everton two nil, and uh, Southampton beating Bournemouth three nil. You saw a Nathan Redmond uh, coming out party with two goals and an assist there. Do you have anything on, on any of the quarterfinal games besides the Man U and Leicester one, obviously, before I, I touch on the semifinal draw? Uh, I think, you know, Sheffield United fans could, you know, be happy about the result. It really wasn't a 2 0 game. The scoreline was flattering. Uh, they played really well, and they were just, their backs were broken in the last 10 minutes of the game. But really well done from Sheffield, even though their season's pretty much written off. Uh, and then the Everton City game. Everton played really well. And again, Two late goals, I believe, 84th and 86th minute, just killed off the game, mm-hmm. and it just shows the class of City. Meanwhile, Southampton, well, they just got an easy draw. <laughs> and, and, you know, I will say, though, in Southampton's favor, th- this I feel like that's a much-needed win, a good confidence boost for them. You know, they we've been talking about them falling off a lot in the Prem lately. To get a nice 3-0 win, get yourself in a semifinal, as well touch on now, they, they got drawn against Leicester, which... Out of the teams left is the team you want to get, John. That City and Chelsea tie will is going to be a real, real tasty game. And unfortunately for Leicester or Southampton, whoever wins that Chelsea City game is going to be the winner of the FA Cup. That honestly is more of a final game than the final might turn out to be. And and I'd assume you agree as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd even say, you know, if United would have turned up, that could have been an FA Cup final too. I mean, we're down to those teams that belong in the FA Cup and I think every tie is going to be good and good from here on in. Yeah. Well, we'll keep our eyes out. Uh, those games are on April 17th, both kick off at 10. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm taking Leicester and city. Um, if you have uh, a difference than me, let me know, but I, I don't know if, if you're going to be different. I, I really, it's hard to go against Leicester, but something tells me that Southampton might just show up, man. So, I'm going to go Ho- City. Yeah, hopefully they get some. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you know it is the magic of the FA Cup, as they say. 
So maybe yep. Southampton uh, can get themselves in a final this year. It'd be nice for them. But we'll move away from the FA Cup. We're going to jump over to Europa League, Will, where we had some very interesting matchups. Uh, first one we'll talk about, of course, uh, Manchester United took care of business at the San Siro. Paul Pogba with the goal. Great to see him get on the score sheet. Um, I didn't catch most of this game, but based off the stats, I mean, 51% possession to uh, AC Milan to United's 49%. Similar shots uh, and shots on target. A pretty even game, but, you know, the, the, the difference really is, you know, the world-class players that United have and, and Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. Uh, and you don't really have uh, super superstars, I guess you could say, from the Milan side. Uh, and like you mentioned with United back in the FA Cup talk there a few seconds ago, you know, they had their eyes on this game that entire week. I agree with you. You saw a Premier League lineup, Greenwood up front, Rashford, Fernandez, James, Fred McTominay, and that back line of Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, and Basaka that's been doing really well for them. With Henderson in goal, it's surprising to see Henderson get back-to-back games here, Will. Uh, I don't know if, if I've missed something here. I don't know if De Gea is injured or not, but, you know, another clean sheet for Dean Henderson in a Europa League game. Uh, so it's good to see there. And, and you know, they, they move on to, to the quarterfinals. Um, did you, are we able to catch anything uh, on the uh, Manchester United versus Milan game at all? Or uh, were you just able to catch some highlights at the end? No, I was able to watch the whole game. Um, just to touch on De Gea, he had his first child, um, and he's still technically on Oh, that's correct. Personally. That's right. Um, and, okay. you know, what I f- found interesting about this game was Ebra didn't come on until... 65th minute, and Harry Maguire got man of the match. So it kind of shows you a little bit more depth to this game other than just Pogba scoring, which, by the way, I was expecting the flag to go up any second that that long <laughs> you know, highlight went because uh, it was absolutely right. horrid defending from AC Milan. But regardless, Pogba put in the net. We're on to the next round. Maguire played well. Like you said, another clean sheet for a emerging Henderson so, overall, pretty decent. Yeah, and, you know, to move on to the Europa League, we're not going to complain. But, Will, I do want to move on to probably maybe even the game of the year up to this point. Um, I was able to catch, a, the you know, the last 30 minutes and into extra time, which is really all you needed to see from this game. Dynamo Zagreb, 3-0 winners at home versus Spurs. Now, I remember a few weeks ago, when we were touching on some of the previews, we didn't touch on this. And it seems like, well, we've been getting a bit in the behind here with, with some of these games we're not mentioning, even you know with Juventus and Porto in the Champions League. And now here, once again, not mentioning Zagreb and Spurs, thinking Spurs have got it wrapped up. It's come back to bite us here. Mislav Orsic, Will, with a hat trick. Uh, I remember I was texting you during this game. Uh, th- this Orsic kid, he's 25, well, not kid, he's 25 years old. And the first thing you said, not even like a wow or anything, you said he's Premier League quality. I don't know if any of yeah. you were able to catch any of this game or even watch the extended highlights. If you have it, you need to. Because the first and third goal by Orsic, I mean, the first goal he put, you know, he put Dwight McNeil in his place from a few weeks ago. Second one was a tap in across the box. But the third one, he picked the ball up pretty much where Hyman Sun did against Burnley for his Puskas goal of the year last year. Dribbled through four or five guys, hit it from outside the box down to... Uh, the bottom right-hand side of, I believe, Hugo Lloris. I don't know if he started or if it was... uh, get. Yep, Lloris started. So, I mean, just cut through Sissoko, Aurier, and Sanchez and just destroyed the ball. I mean, an absolute rocket. Honestly, like I said, well, one of the games of the year. And when you look at the stats, I mean, 
21 shots to five on uh, and five on target for Zagreb to Spurs is 18 and five. This is one of those games, Will, where you know Spurs get a little too complacent. They don't really look at the matchup or the opposition as uh, as a threat. And Mourinho and his boys definitely uh, paid the price for it. What did you think of this Zagreb performance? And and off of that, Will, what does this Zagreb team? you know, maybe need to do going into their next tie against Villarreal, which we'll get into in a little bit. But what do they need to do to keep this momentum running? Because yeah, I don't know if Orsic can do it all himself. Yeah, it's really interesting because before the game, the news broke, or actually a few days before the game, the news broke that Dynamo Zagreb's manager was thrown in jail for five years due to uh, yeah. money laundering. Basically, he would take... So they didn't even have a manager. Yeah, he, he was taking, you know, little chunks of cash from player fees and smuggling it into offshore accounts. So he's in prison, and at the end of the game, Jose Mourinho walks into their locker room and gives them an applause. That is kind of the summary of this game, because Tottenham didn't show up, and Zagreb put him in their place. And like you said, this Orsic guy, fantastic player, I think Premier League quality for maybe one of those mid-level teams where they need a difference maker. And Tottenham, I, you got to look at the likes of Harry Kane. I mean, does he want to win trophies? Does he... Does he know how to win trophies? <laughs> um, because it's just not. Well, happening. he plays for Spurs, so your answer is no. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. I mean, they they had chances in this game. I, I believe they hit the post once or twice, um, but unfortunately, well, they looked like the or excuse me, they looked like the Manchester United of old, and and that's not ironic as Jose Mourinho was their manager. I mean, for the last twenty minutes, well, it was really just kick the ball up to Kane or Deli Alley and keep, you know, Eric Dyer or someone up front and, and see if they can win something. I mean, and, yeah. and you know, from Zagreb's standpoint, they, they played a per. I mean, they executed their game plan perfectly. They played a 4-3-3, made it really difficult for Spurs to break down in their 4-2-3-1. I mean, you're getting Harry Winks in there for the first time in what seems like forever. You've got, you know, Deli Alley, who, you know, we, we talk about here and there. You know, is he motivated to even play for a, a team like Spurs? Uh, is he already, you know, is his mindset already out the door since last year? You've got an inconsistent right. guy in Lamella. You've got Lucas, who is a good player on his day, but, you know, is is also another inconsistent guy. Uh, and Davidson Sanchez this year just, just hasn't looked like, you know, the, the player he was when he signed from, was it Ajax a few years ago? Ajax. So, yep. you know, like like I said, Zagreb played it perfectly, Orsic you know, torch this entire team and credit to Zagreb in the end, like you said, with Mourinho sums up the whole game. And I don't know really the icing on top is Joe Hart's social media team put out three nil job done. He thought that the, his social media guys thought that Spurs took the victory. So that really sums it up as well for you. If Mourinho going into the opposing locker room doesn't already for you. So, well, if you've got nothing left on Zagreb and Tottenham, I want to move on to, uh, uh, some information that I know you're happy to hear about, and that's uh, Slavia Praha and Rangers. Yeah, um, I think it was fantastic. Th- this tie, the first the first game was really charged well going to the second leg. Um, unfortunately for Rangers at home, when you have your top goal scorer sent off for a high studs challenge into a keeper's face. Um, um yeah, I I don't know if you saw that. Well. That was that was pretty bad. It was pretty tragic, yeah. That guy's going to be recovering for a while. Um, I, yeah, that was, a, that was a Sadio Mane and Ederson moment from a few years ago. Really. Yeah. It, it, was, it was tragic. But Slavia ended up getting the job done. 
moving on to the next round, they get drawn against Arsenal. Yeah, and uh, from Arsenal's standpoint, Will, you know, they they lost to Olympiacos but got the job done in the first leg. Um, yeah. so, so they go through. We'll touch on the quarterfinals here. Well, we've got Arsenal versus Slavia Praha. We've got Dynamo Zagreb, who we mentioned are playing Unai Emery's Villarreal. Um, Unai Emery has never failed to get past the quarterfinals before, so he keeps that run going uh, as he's also won it three times in a row with Sevilla. You've got Granada, Man United. And maybe the most tasty matchup here, Will, Ajax versus a solid and, and really underrated Roma team that I don't really know how well they'd be. You know, they've got an aging Ed Dzeko. Uh, they, they've got a, you know, Mkhitaryan there from United. They've got, like you've said, I believe before in the past episode, a bunch of misfit toys there. Uh, and an Ajax team, which, you know, yep. is led by, you know, David Neres, Anthony, Ryan Gravenberch, uh, and a lot, obviously a lot of other talent there. So, well, out of these four games, what are what are you looking for uh, from any of them? You know, are are you looking to see an upset from maybe a Slavia Praha? Are you looking to see you know a, a Dynamo Zagreb go through versus a Unai Emery led Villarreal? What are some things you're looking out for in this quarter in the first leg of the quarterfinals? So, first off, I go right to United and Granada. Granada has let in the most amount of goals in La Liga. If I remember correctly i saw that on a, on a tweet they have the worst defensive record and they're kind of like a dortmund who can't score as much so they try and just attack attack but they leave the back door open and with united yeah they do have the most goals allowed yeah they do have the most goals allowed a lot of teams are on 44 but they're on 46 but they're also sitting in eighth which is pretty crazy right which just shows that they can go the distance on the other end but with united going away in the first leg, we got to get at least two, I think, in my mind, to be like safe. And we have to have a, a two-goal difference coming back home. In terms of the other games, mm-hmm. I think Arsenal against Slavia is probably actually is, is my favorite to watch. I agree. Ajax and Roma is probably going to be the most competitive, but I think that one might be a lower-scoring aggregate than Arsenal-Slavia because I don't, we, we don't know what Arsenal is going to show up. And we haven't really gotten a great example right. of what Slavia Prague is. Right, right. And, you know, I think that with, back to your United point, I think it's very dangerous if, if they don't get a job done. Uh, th- this is a kind of like a Rangers situation where I think with Rangers and Slavia, they came into the game or the second leg thinking, all right, we'll turn up at home and we'll get a job done. But if United don't, don't get, you know, a, a decent result versus Granada... Going going back home uh, with Granada away, it's it's not fun to be in that position, as you know, because uh, yeah. one goal for them changes the whole tie away. So I agree with you there. United does have to get some sort of result at Granada, um, and and I think from the Zagreb and Villarreal game, you know, I think it's it's also like we said, just all of these are really really interesting matchups. Um, like I said, I would like to see a little bit more out of Zagreb than just Orsic. And, and I think if you're Villarreal and Unai Emery, I think that they have a really good chance here to get themselves in, into a semifinal. Like I said, Unai Emery led. They've been pretty solid in La Liga. They're sitting in seventh place. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're normally always a very solid team. So yeah, and I've got nothing else. On United as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in between these two games, United plays Spurs at Spurs. Um, so this could be a really tricky tie. If you don't go in and finish a job against Granada in the first leg, you all of a sudden can't rest your team next. Arsenal, on the other hand, they play Fulham 
both in between the legs, and they play Sheffield after. So Arsenal can rest their squad on those two Premier League games. So that might make the, the job a little bit more challenging for Slavia Prague. Most definitely. Well, I've got nothing else on Europa League, so we're going to move over to the Premier League. We had a, a few games go on this week, not too many. The first one I want to I bring up is Brighton and Newcastle. As you guys remember, these were the two teams that Will and I mentioned to keep your eyes out for. Brighton, three no victors over Newcastle. Trussard, Welbeck, and Mope getting the goals. Um, I wasn't able to catch this, but but looking at the statistics, well, pretty, pretty lopsided, obviously, as the score will tell you. Um, with this result, though, Will... Um, when we look at the table, uh, not really good for Newcastle as them and Brighton have not only flip-flopped, but it's now a two-point gap, or excuse me, a two-game gap of four points between 16th and 17th Brighton and Newcastle. And for Newcastle, uh, on 28 points, Fulham are chasing them down still in 18th with 26. Um, I, if you want to read off the text you sent to me, Will, verbatim, I, I think you can, but uh, the you know for for Newcastle and uh, and Steve Bruce it is it is not looking too hot for them at the moment. Yeah, and it it really only gets worse. Um, Newcastle go up against Spurs, then they're away at Burnley, who's not you know a pushover side. They're home to West Ham, most definitely flying away to Liverpool, who are just fighting for dignity, and then their last five matches: Arsenal, Leicester, City. Sheffield, and then the final day against Fulham. This is a terrible schedule if you're trying to stay afloat and get to that 40-point mark. I don't see 10 points in that schedule left for for Newcastle. Yeah, I think you get three off of Sheffield maybe. I mean, if you want to pencil that in, go for it. Right. Right. Maybe nick a point against Uh, Arsenal and, and Burnley. Right, and that final day game against Fulham will. I mean, Fulham might, yeah. you know, be in a position to flip flop with Newcastle at that point, if yeah. if, if well, Newcastle somehow gets some results. Yeah, or Newcastle might be looking up at Fulham. We don't know. Right, so, most definitely. So but, uh, the three 0 loss not good for not good for Newcastle. Go, great for Brighton, obviously, as they're starting to find the back of the net a little bit. Um, yeah. Anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, just that Newcastle has suffered a lot of injuries. Almiron, Max, uh, uh, Saint Maximin, Saint Maximin, and uh, their striker. Uh, oh, he just signed Robin or Wilson, Wilson. Callum Wilson. Yep, have all been injured. They're going to be injured until the start of, I believe it's or, sorry, mid-April. All three of them are going to be out. Interesting. So yeah, and those are really all their goal scorers or attacking threats. Yep. Uh, Yep. So, Newcastle fans, start praying now, <laughs> I guess. Um, yep. But, well, I want to go on to uh, a more interesting game. We had West Ham versus Arsenal on Sunday. I watched this game, and, I mean, I, I know you'd know that I-, I do not like West Ham. But let me tell you, Jesse Lingard, first goal, screamer. Two seconds later, literally two minutes later, Quick free kick, Arsenal switch off. Jared Bowen puts one in the back of the net. And unfortunately for West Ham, uh, own goals killing them again. You know, last week or a few weeks ago when they played United, it was technically a Craig Dawson own goal. This week you have a, a Thomas Suchek own goal, but he, you know he's canceling himself out there with his goal in the 32nd minute. Craig Dawson with another own goal. That must be a record back-to-back weeks with an own goal. 
and then Lacazette rising highest in the 82nd minute to put a header in an open net. Unfortunately, a, a real collapse from West Ham. I don't know what it is about these these North London teams. Well, earlier you had Spurs go up 3-0 against West Ham, and in the last 10 minutes, West Ham pulls it to 3-3. I thought this game was going to be 5 or 6-0. Your boy Antonio missed, probably had the miss of the season, to be honest. I don't know if you caught it. Ball played across the box, yep. and... He got his studs to it, hit the post from literally on the goal line. He's given Harry Maguire a run from his money a few weeks ago against AC Milan. Um, And uh, interesting to see Alexander Lacazette score a goal that isn't from the PK spot um, as he didn't look, you know, that great. Uh, I will tell you, though, Will, Martin Odegaard, what a player he's been, obviously, for this Arsenal side. I mean, he's really bringing that creativity and extra, you know, quality to this Arsenal side. Thomas Partey looked good. Um... And, and, you know, honestly, w- with a back line of uh, your boy Tierney, Mari, Louise, and Chambers, I mean, Chambers looked more like Tierney this week. He had eight crosses into the box, all finding all finding a head or a foot, which is very unlike Arsenal from that right-hand side because Bellerin can't seem to pick a pass to his defensive midfielder, let alone a cross inside the box. Um, you saw Saka on the left and Aubameyang on the right. Thought that would have been switched. I know that the guys on NBC were talking about that as well, but Will... Uh, a, a gutsy performance from this Arsenal side. And like you said, you don't know which side is going to show up against Slavia Praha uh, in a few weeks. What is it about this Arsenal team that is starting to click a little bit and, and you know, get a point uh, at a strong West Ham side? Yeah, I think they just have some really good young talent who want to prove themselves in this league. You look at the likes of Tierney, who I've constantly said is going to be the best left He's back your boy. in Watching him play for Celtic, I know it's a lesser league, but he just shows those qualities that are intangible. Um, and I think he'll be the future captain mm-hmm. of, this team, of this team. I was moving on from him. I was going to say he's looking like a captain for that team. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on from him, Saka, extraordinary talent. Smith Rowe, extraordinary talent. You could even, you know, you could argue based on experience in the Prem, the likes of. Callum Chambers is still a little bit young because he hasn't gotten as much experience as some of these other center backs and right backs in the league. Um, And with that all said, they also have a few key roles that are proving themselves. The likes of Odegaard, on loan from Madrid for the, what, fourth straight season? And he's trying to finally sink his teeth into a starting lineup that he feels that he should be in. Um, Now there's talks about him staying at the Emirates, because of this great He's got form. a big release clause. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, I think Arsenal would try and go for another loan. I think maybe, it's like, but, uh, yeah, I think it was like $135 million or something, which, you know, yeah. that's Real Madrid and, and Barcelona money talking. Right. So, yeah, I think maybe they, they just woke up after the 32nd minute and said, we're tired of being embarrassed. Yeah, it, w- it was looking like it was going to be a route for West Ham in the first 20 minutes. Um, but like we, like we said, you know, uh, very interesting North London ties going on here. Um, and you know, I think West Ham are okay. I think they'll look at this and they'll say, you know what, we're better than this at the moment. We're going to rebound and and get a result this week. They've got Wolves on Monday. Uh, that will be a very, very interesting and tasty game, but I want to go through some games here. Will that we do have coming up, uh, because we also have a, a, a lot of good games in the Prem this week. You've got Leicester City versus Man City. We've got Arsenal-Liverpool. Uh, we've got Newcastle-Tottenham and Man United-Brighton. Those are the, the four key ones, in my opinion. We'll start with Leicester and City. Um, 
what you know, City are obviously uh, uh, running away pretty much with this title. But however, Leicester, uh, a team that we talk about, you know, are, are out of that top six, but have been in that top four and five conversation the past few years. What do you, if you're a Leicester fan, Will, I mean, you're obviously, I, th- I believe City actually beat Man City earlier this year. Uh, pretty convincingly, I believe it was five to two when City was going through that poor stretch of form without a striker and some center backs before Ruben Diaz really started to show his form with John Stones. If you're Leicester City, I think you look at this matchup and say, "Hey, we've done it once, but now we're home. Let's do it again." So I'm going to actually ask you from City's perspective: What is City going to have to do to, you know, obviously they're going to stay in first place, but to to get a result against this Leicester side as they've just beat Man United, not an easy tie for for any team right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Leicester comes out how they did against United in that three-five-two, basically with an advanced midfielder. Um, you could really get mm-hmm. at that back line of City because they like to press so high up in their outside backs. You know, Jao Cancelo likes to and Vardy likes to play in. on the last shoulder as well. Yep, yep. So you can really punish that Diaz and Stones or even the Port relationship because of the speed you have going forward with two forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time. Leicester can, or yeah, Leicester can really get at, or sorry, City can really get at Leicester because that back three isn't as functional when you have a Sterling and a Mares who really stretch you all the way out, and then all of a sudden you have like the Bruyne right. go to one going right, you know, a lonely Johnny Evans or Soyuncu. So it, I think it's going to depend on the formation, right. but Brendan Rodgers has had City's number here for a few times, um, so. I think we're going to have to wait and see. Obviously, he comes back from international duty, hurt or not hurt, both sides. But um, I think City's going to end up pulling this out just on just on the merit of what they did to Everton this past weekend in having you know their superstars show up and score some goals. Yeah, I, it will definitely be close, and I think Leicester might have a you know, like I said, they beat City or Man City away earlier. Um, so to be home, I think they'll be coming out guns blazing a little bit as well. And like you said, Rogers, Rogers knows city pretty well. So we'll move on from that. We'll go to Arsenal, Liverpool, Will, where a struggling Liverpool in the league, uh, and a struggling somewhat Arsenal just year round seventh versus ninth here, which is, which is pretty interesting. And Will, if Arsenal get a victory here, they're on 45 points, only one point behind Liverpool and Everton. And for as much, you know, crap as we give Arsenal, to be level on points pretty much with uh, Everton and, or even Liverpool, like I said this year, I, I don't think you can be massively disappointed. I, I think Arsenal have a decent chance here against this Liverpool side who, like I said, are, are struggling very badly in the league. But elsewhere, they're, they're, finding their, you know, they're finding their form in the Champions League. I think it's going to be real interesting to see who plays uh, for Arsenal. I think Liverpool, we pretty much know what we're going to see as you know they've had no centre-backs for the most part this year. Uh, if Jota comes back, I think that could be a big, big uh, player for Liverpool and a big factor as he hasn't really been seen much this year. I don't know if Arsenal will be able to figure him out. And I'm interested to see the, the, the back line of Arsenal. I think the front 6-7 is pretty locked in with an Aubameyang, Saka, Smith-Rowe, or Odegaard. You're going to have, of course, a Lacazette or, or someone up front. And it really, I think, just depends who's in that back line. This is, like I said, another interesting matchup. I think Arsenal can, can pull one out here as they are home as well. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think Arsenal can, can find Liverpool's number here. And like you said, it might not be a, 
a big disappointment to finish near that Everton Liverpool side who, you know, Liverpool coming off of a pretty down year after a great one. But we've given praise to Everton pretty regularly for having a great squad. But I think the disappointment sure. in Arsenal will be, hey, what happened the first fifteen games of the season? Where were you then? So I think this is a great rebounding and a great building period for Arteta if he can take us into the next season, you know, take the skin of, of Liverpool into the into the next games and, and obviously into the Europa League. Um, but I think they're really going to have to focus on not letting the likes of David Luiz or Granit Xhaka making those dumb mistakes that we know they're prone for. <laughs> yeah, passing them to the other team, really. Or uh, just yeah. just giving away a PK uh out of frustration, yeah, I I agree. Um, and from Liverpool, I, I, it's it's pretty well known. You're going to need the likes of Ma, uh, Sané, or Salah, Mane, someone to to show up. Um, so yeah. I, I I'm not too sure what exactly um, Liverpool and Klopp is going to do uh, going forward. But defensively, we know they are not as strong. So with that, we're going to move over to Newcastle and Tottenham. Now, I picked this game uh, because we've obviously talked about Newcastle struggles, Tottenham struggles. Um, the, I think we could see a, a goal fest here, Will, even though Newcastle doesn't have a lot of attacking threats. I think both sides are going to want to get a win here. What are you looking for out of both camps here in this one? And do you think Newcastle even has a chance against the Spurs side? You know, I don't think so. In the Prem, with how Spurs have been playing, you know, I think that the speed, the the connection of, of counterattacking could just be the downfall of Newcastle. Um, Newcastle will try and come out and, and play reserve, sit in a little bit, but eventually they know they have to go for this. It, it can't be a nil-nil grinded out of St. James. Um, I just, I just right. don't think that that mindset's going to work with the pressure of Fulham and Brighton around them. You know, Fulham have Austin Villa, which they have every right to go for that game and Brighton have United at home which United aren't great at home so I think Newcastle have to be a little bit more adventurous uh, and, and try and and nick a point and it, it might just turn out to bite them in with you know the likes of Kane and so on and uh, Bergwijn going the other way Lucas Moore as well is on form yeah yeah and, and- I think what will be real interesting to see here is is it who gets the first goal? Because I think yeah. whoever gets the first goal here, either side is going to be saying to themselves, all right, we're, we're going to have to get another here. Um, yeah. From Spurs' perspective, you know, they get a win. They move back up into fifth place. Great for them. Uh, and if Newcastle win, you know, they're, they're one point away from Brighton, who don't have a good matchup for them uh, in Manchester United. So, Will, when we look at United and Brighton, in the past, I know that this Brighton team has caused problems for United. I know earlier this year, Brighton should have taken three points from us, but we got the late Bruno Fernandes PK. Don't want to hear about it. Uh, Brighton didn't take their chances. So uh, from from a United standpoint, uh, I would like to see a, a similar lineup as the AC Milan. Maybe Greenwood and, and Rashford flip-flop. Uh, Henderson or De Gea is obviously, obviously fine, but I think our back four... Of Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, and Wambasaka has been very, very solid so far. They're, I think they've got this is a United defense that has gotten the most stretch of games together in a while, it feels like. I know you're a big Eric Bailly fan, but he isn't breaking in right now. And from right. Brighton, 
you're just going to need the likes of your, you have Basuma, who I've talked about before, is a top five mid defensive midfielder, pretty much in the prem right now. Uh, you're going to need the likes of him and, and you know, your Chossards or Welbecks and, and some of your vets to, to really sink in and, and try and defend against the likes of, you know, Greenwood, Cavani, Rashford, Bruno. I mean, we, we could talk about the, the talent and the attacking options United has, but Brighton, uh, they're going to definitely be comfortable and happy with a point here. We, we know the game plan pretty much from, from both parties. What is uh, What are you looking for from this tie? You know, I'm looking for Brighton to capitalize on stubborn, a stubborn Solskjaer. Um, we know he's going to go with 4 2 one We know he's going to let Bruno do whatever he wants. But we also know Brighton like a five-back with four sitting in front and a one-up-top who likes to then get involved in a counterattack where they spring forward really quickly. Mm-hmm. If we get the likes of Shaw or Wan-Bissaka overcommitted, um, I think we could be punished with that, with that wing-back system that they run. Um, so I think it's going to be, does a stubborn system work with, you know, possessing the ball where I'm assuming that United is going to have at least 55% possession. Um, mm-hmm. but on the same side is the knowledge of what Solskjaer is going to do, going to help Brighton prepare so much that they end up playing out of this pressure and proving that United are just shaky at home. Yeah, that was one thing I was going to say too. United is home. And and kind of back to your one point, you know, you've got Danny Welbeck, Arsenal and former Man United man. He knows he knows Old Trafford like anything else. And, and Brighton's a weird team, you know. Neil Mope causes problems and and is always a a scrappy guy that defenders don't like to go up against. Uh I I feel like if you're Maguire or Lindelof, you rather almost go up against not like an Aguero, but you know, maybe even a Vardy or an Ihianacho where you kind of can figure them out a little easier. Mope is creative enough to to cause problems. He's he's a he's a fox in the box, as you like to say, um, and, and he'll take a chance if he has one. He he's going to look to you know get Maguire and Lindelof you know pushing and shoving. He's going to try and get a, he's going to try and have him get a card and play a little cautious. I think he's going to maybe look at Luke Shaw on that left side and and try and bully him a little bit more than Juan Basaka as his pace is is just too good for Mope. Um, and, and like I said, I think it just depends who the, who they go up front with. And, and like you said, Sully March and Tariq Lamptey, those two wingbacks, they've got a lot of pace. Uh, not as much experience on Lamptey's side, so maybe if you're a Rashford, Greenwood, Fernandez, you go down that left side a little more. But I do know that he is quicker and the quickest probably in that back line. So it's going to be a real interesting game, uh, uh, and hopefully United can take a chance early and I don't want to say cruise control, but, you know, almost grind the game out from there. So. Right. Well, if, just if, do you have any other Premier League games, games or matches? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say a reminder that yeah. these games are going to be April 3rd, so not this coming weekend, but the following. Correct. Yeah, April 3rd and April 4th. Yep. It seems like United's always on Sunday. Do you know why that is? Uh, I think it's because they, they play on Thursdays. Whenever Europa League comes into play, they have to have that time off. Ah, uh, that makes a lot of sense, Will. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but anyways, it, do you have any other thing in the pre- any, any anything else in the Premier League that you want to go over? I know we do have some other decent matchups. You know, Aston Villa, Fulham, Southampton, Burnley, uh, Chelsea, West Brom. We've got Everton, Palace, Wolves, West Ham, and Leeds, Sheffield. Any of those games you're looking at? Uh, maybe any surprises there? Well, I I do think that 
if, if I'm looking at it honestly, I think Sheffield could actually win. Um, I think they could surprise somebody and get, you know, what we would view as a useless three points because they're not going anywhere. But I was really impressed with their performance against Chelsea in the FA Cup. And, you know, maybe that's a, a sign that they're trying to resuscitate more of the the boardroom and the, and the upper levels of the hierarchy to show, like, hey, we we truly were just on a bad run of form and we had injuries uh, that filled up every single one of our tables. So uh, I think Sheffield could surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the game on Sunday at 7 a.m. Southampton-Burnley, that's going to be a really interesting matchup. You know, Burnley is a team that just knocked off Everton recently. Is Southampton a team, like I said, they're on a good run of form and with a confident booster against Bournemouth. Uh, and they're going to be home and, and they're going to need some three points here because they're, you know, like we've talked about, they're falling down the table pretty rapidly. But, Will, I want to move on from the Premier League if you've got nothing else left. And I want to move on to some Bundesliga talk quickly. Yeah, let's let's dive into this. Borussia Dortmund side, man. It's it's something else. Yeah. Yeah, I caught the highlights of this. You know, Cologne in 16th place in that relegation spot. Um, or, excuse me, relegation playoff spot. I think it's so cool how the Bundesliga does that. Uh, yeah. They're in the relegation playoff spot. They beat uh, or they, they got a 2-2 result against Dortmund. I'm sure everybody at home can figure out who scored for Dortmund, even if you didn't see it. You guessed it. Erling Haaland, two goals. Really should have had four or five, to be honest. Uh, but that's no disrespect on his goal-scoring ability, as he really is the only one that's doing it by himself. However, though, this uh, this weekend will saw a good reshuffle, though, in Dortmund's favor. Uh, Leverkusen uh, took a bad loss, 3-0 to Hertha, uh, and that was able to give Dortmund's uh, one point. That was uh, enough to leapfrog over Leverkusen into fifth place on 43 points. So they've got a game there in hand or three points, yeah, a win in hand on Leverkusen. But the story of the week, Will, um, and I'm sure everyone can figure it out, uh, Bayern versus Stuttgart. Now, Stuttgart's a team well, that I was talking about a little bit earlier. They're a fun, creative, youthful team. The likes of Silas Wamanjatuka uh, is really their main man, in my opinion. Uh, I know you said that he really doesn't have a position, a player that's really hard to figure out. 22 years old, boatloads of pace on it from the DR of Congo. Uh, but Alfonso Davies got a, a yellow card in the in the twelfth minute, or excuse me, tenth minute. Went to VAR. Uh, uh, I don't want, I don't necessarily know if you saw it, Will. I don't know if it was a, a harsh red card or not. But guess what, Will? Red cards in Bayern Munich they don't matter when you have someone like a robot of Robert Lewandowski up front. Will yeah. for nothing. Uh, this Bayern team won. Now, as you know, Will going down to to ten men is hard enough as it is, but. For Robert Lewandowski to score a hat trick, 17 minutes, 23 minutes, 39th minute, with Serge Gnabry getting a goal there in the 22nd. I mean, my question for you, Will, is this the best Bayern team we've seen, or is that 13-14 team with your Robbery, Mandzukic, Schweinsteiger, uh, you know, even Muller, Hummels, Boateng, Philip Lahm, right? Which side are you taking here, Will? Because I, I don't really know any other team in the world that can go down a man for 80 minutes and put on a performance like Bayern did. I mean, they had 42% possession, but they had 15 shots and seven on target, both more than Stuttgart. Of course, they're going to get out-dominated in the possession and pass and passes. And they only even also had one corner, Bayern. But, but Will, is this the best Bayern team that, that we've seen? Or, or is that 13-14 team still giving them a run for their money? 
I think it would be pretty close. Um, I like that 14, that 13-14 team because I think the defense is much better. I know, I mean, putting up, Correct. putting up a clean sheet against Stuttgart was okay, great with 10 men. But at the same time, Stuttgart really played out of the back very poorly. I watched this game. I watched this first yeah. half before I switched over to the Dortmund game. and You didn't need to watch another half. <laughs> right. It, it was very sloppy from Stuttgart. Um, it was, you know, three of these goals were less than five passes and build up and ball in the back of the net. And I thought that was really, really clinical from this, this team. And that's where I think this team, this 2021 and 2020 team, could take this 2013-2014 team because this team is miles ahead in terms of clinical ability and ability to put yeah. games away early. That 13-14 team sometimes struggled and waited till that 75th minute or later to make the difference. This team here, they want to get after you. They want to be done. They, they want to be sipping tea at halftime. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, when you're looking at comparisons, Will, from the attacking standpoint, you know, Manzukic or Muller was that striker. Obviously, they're going to lose that battle to Robert Lewandowski, but Robbery, uh, uh, Ribery and Robin, I mean, Sané and Canabri, I mean, those two ain't half bad either to have as your winger, number one and two options, let alone Kingsley Coman on the bench. When you're looking at yep. the midfield, Will, I think the best, I mean, Kimmich is better than Schweinsteiger at any level already. Um, I can't remember if Tiago was in there or not. He might have been a year later. But, I mean, Philip Long could have been right back cent- uh, or CDM. Boateng was obviously prime Boateng then. Um, but, you know, from that back line, I, I think you're weak. Yeah, but I, I know that you had Rafinha in there on the, at right back who who was okay and a good servant for a Bundesliga side, but he was never a Brazilian national team player really. I think Alfonso right. Davies at left back for Bayern is the best left back in the world and the best they've had really in quite some time. Um, so I, I think it'd be close, but I want to move on to my moment of the week here because it is in tandem with this Bayern side. Robert Lewandowski, his first half hat trick. Will, I, I texted you some stats uh, the other day, and I'm going to read them out. Robert Lewandowski has 35 goals and six assists. Those 35 goals, Will, when you look at the Bundesliga table, if you're a team in 12th place or lower in the Bundesliga, you have not scored more than Lewandowski himself. And if you go to the Bundesliga, or excuse me, the Premier League, it is the exact same story, except for one team. The bottom 12, or from 12th below in the the Premier League, they all have not scored 35 goals, except for Southampton. They are on 36. So that is my moment of the week. Lewandowski's pretty much outscoring every team in Europe by himself. Um, And we've talked about him enough. We'll keep talking about him. There's no more words to describe this man by, uh, I mean... He, he puts him in with his head. I mean, he's clinical in the box with one touch. There, there's nothing really stopping this man. And if you're a player in that Polish national team, you're, 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 count, you're, you know, you're thinking you're lucky stars. You've got that man up front for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's going to break Garrett Muller's record this year. He needs six goals in eight games, and it's hard to bet on him that he won't get it in the next two. He'll he do it in two. such good form. <laughs> So good. I like that. Well, we were both both on the same wavelength. But if you've got nothing else on 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 this Bayern uh, Stuttgart game, you know I kind of went over the table a little bit. Um, some some changes, like I said, Dortmund moved up. Uh, Mönchengladbach got a win over Schalke. That that's nothing new. Schalke has one win, seven draws, and eighteen losses. I mean, whoever they they beat, 
uh, I feel bad for that team that lost um, yeah. because this might be the worst. I mean, this this is Derby County esque of oh seven eight for for worst team yeah. in the league of, of any European league. I will say though, the team that goes down with them, uh, it's looking a little sketchy for Armenia a few right now. You know, Ar- Armenia, but right above them, you got Cologne. Right above them, you got Mainz and Hertha. So it is a little tighter than some of the other leagues across Europe in that floating relegation battle. Uh, I know they do it differently with a, a relegation mm-hmm. playoff for 16th. Um, yeah, I think, is it the top team in the second division plays them? Yeah. Or the second or third place? I don't, I don't remember. It's, it's, I believe it's the third team. So Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, obviously, none of those teams want to be stuck in those positions, but it could get pretty tight here. Yeah, you've got Hertha, Mainz, Cologne, and Armenia, 22, 23, 20, or 24, 24, 23, and 22. Um, yeah. So they're all within a, a game of each other. So if you've got nothing, lo- nothing else left on the Bundesliga, Will, I want to I hear your moment of the week. Yeah, so we mentioned this guy already. Uh, great player right now for West Ham, well-known from United. Jesse Lingard getting called up to the English national team. Uh, I think this is... One, quite astounding, considering where we thought he was uh, <laughs> back in August. At United. We were, yeah, we were saying, get him out of the squad. Um, and, you know, this this renaissance of form. I, actually, maybe not even renaissance. This is the best form he's ever been on. So this, this Probably. new platform, this new challenge has given him a way back into the English national team. And I think it's a great story and a reason for the FA to keep honoring these types of loan deals. Um, there's a rumor a few years ago about how they were trying to exterminate, uh, you know, loan deals between English teams, um, in fear of you know farming teams arriving. But right, the likes of Odegaard and Lingard this this January uh, have just shown why these loan moves are so one hard to find, but also so rewarding when you find them the right one. Yeah, and you know, uh, I give him the la- the name of Lingardino in honor of Ronaldinho's birthday this past week as well. So I'm happy to to hear that as, as your moment of the week. Well, and I mean, if you guys didn't go see, uh, go check out his first goal against Arsenal. Uh, vintage Lingard uh, got it uh, received it on the outside of the box, took a touch, popped it up to himself, and, and just hit it into the top right keeper's left. No chance. Uh, who was in goal for Bert Leno? Uh, and you know, he hit the celebration yep. as always. So, Will, I'm glad to hear your moment of the week, but yep. we're going to wrap it up with some last few topics here. Will, we're going to talk about some international qualifiers that happened today. The first one and most notably Turkey and Berak Yirmaz, the Turkish striker for LOSC Leo with a hat trick against a strong and very, very, very talented Netherlands side. Will, uh, there's a few players I want to touch on in this Netherlands side that, you know, uh, are up and coming. Number one, Ryan Gravenberch from uh, uh, from Ajax, the 18-year-old center midfielder. Uh, I know on Goal Global on Instagram, he received the number eighth or seventh position for Next Gen. Um, and he's a player that, that I believe you talked yeah. about a few months ago when we were looking at our Golden Boy list. You told me to check him out. And boy, I'm glad you told me because he is an animal, almost pretty much like a Paul Pugba, can do anything from center attacking mid to DM. Uh, I, I mean, just... Long-legged, I mean, just pretty much a Pugba, a Pugba comparison as you get. Um, that's one guy. Um, you, you didn't see Donny van de Beek get a get a single minute. Uh, 
you saw the likes of Patrick Van Anholt and Luke De Jong and Denzel Dumfries come in, who who are obviously great and good players. But you know you're leaving Steven Berg. Well, excuse me, Steven Berg went on the bench as well. Um, uh, from from this formation, well, uh, very interesting. I I probably would have liked to see De Jong and De Ligt be a center back partnership, seeing as that De Jong is pretty much playing there for Barca right now and get blend out of there. Uh, and I think you can drop Wijnaldum in that double pivot next to Darun. And it gives you a place for Donny or Gravenberch in that number 10 role next to Malin and Berghaus with the pie up front. But honestly, well, you got to give all the credit in the world of this Turkish side. You know, their back line of Kabak and Soyuncu in the middle there. You've got Yakuslu uh, in the in the 6DM position and Kalinoglu uh, in that 10 position right underneath Yomaz. You've got, a, you know, a good solid anchor down the middle of the park. And, you know, if you've got that, you've got a decent chance pretty much in any competition as they're all Premier League and top European quality players. Like I said, well, this is the most surprising one. What What is Frank De Boer and, and the Netherlands? What What are they going to have to do in this next tie to, you know, pick up three points? I know it's only the first game, but when it comes to World Cup qualifiers, it's kind of like that March Madness feel where every game really does matter. Yeah, and, and these games come at you really quickly. Um, so while I, I respect that, you know, this was in Turkey – it was the first one, whatever. Might just still getting, you know, getting your feet under your, your, uh, your waist a little bit. But the likes of Memphis have to step up. The likes of Mark Darun. I really don't think he fits in this side um, quite as well as he does in the Atalanta side. Atalanta is very free flowing, <laughs> three four three. You know, he's kind of on his own in that midfield role at times. This Dutch team wants to play with a tight three man midfield. Um, that can kind of roam together around the pitch. And, you know, right. I think while I agree De Jong can go and play in that back line, I think the likes of De Jong, Wijnaldum, and maybe you know, Van de Beek would be the best three-man midfield for this squad going forward. Um, at the same time, you need to go solve your deficiencies up top. I like Memphis as that striker, and I, or I like Memphis on the wing with Daniel Mullen as, as that striker, but... I think yeah. I was telling you before the, that one. The that pod. that one's a, a pretty glaring one. Yeah, I was telling you before the the pod. Where is Weghorst at? Um, he's a striker for for Wolfsburg, and he's absolutely on fire. Uh, yeah, he's I, a solid target man. He's not the fastest yeah. guy, but he puts the ball in the back of the net. He's an athletic Bastos, and Bastos was in this side for years. So I, I yeah. just think you need a, a different a different look from now and then. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what the Netherlands do in their next call-up session. But uh, I don't know. Congrats to Turkey, really. Yeah, and another surprising one that we saw will um, France. You know, uh, first game, uh, but but a bit of a hiccup against you know uh, Ukraine side, which we do know has some talent. A lot of the Shakhtar boys, Kiev boys, and whatnot in there. But I mean, the the golf in class will. I mean, it's. I mean, you've got Komen, Griezmann, and Bappe is your is your three with you up front. You've got Conte and Rabio is your double pivot. Pavard, Varane, Kimpembe, and Hernandez is your back line. I mean, you could throw anybody from the bench on there as well, and it's still a golfing class. Kimpembe, unfortunately, with the own goal. Griezmann with the goal for France. You know, when you when you look at Griezmann's goal in the nineteenth minute, you think, all right, when's the next one gonna gonna go in the back of the net? And it just never happened. Uh, Ukraine, fair play to them getting a getting a point against a side where I don't think they were thinking they'd even get a point from at all. 
Yeah, and you mentioned it, you know, the likes of Pogba, Dembele, Martial, all came off the bench. That right there, if they were all to go in a market value right now, that is probably $450 million worth of players came off the French bench in a top market. And there was only three of them. And there was only three. (laughs) I mean, that's an astounding number to come off the bench and still not score, not become involved in a goal. Um, And you still had other, you know, decent talents at at their very worst, and likes of Sissoko, Ben Yedder's on in uh, France right now on a tear. Uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Lamar is in there. Yeah, I mean, it, some of these players are just world class, and at the same time, the Ukrainian team just showed you know a, a stout formation and a grit that kind of comes with playing for those Eastern European teams. Stifled them, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they played a five. Yeah, they played a five three two. Uh, interesting to see Zenchenko play as that third center midfielder. Yeah. Uh, I really like Malinovsky. He's from Atalanta. I saw him play against uh, Real Madrid. Uh, or who? Yeah, was it Atalanta? They played Real Madrid a few weeks ago. Malinovsky yes. started over. Uh, he was on that right side. I don't remember who he started over. Oh, it was over Ilicic. That's right. And he looked. Uh, he was a solid player. But to be fair to Ukraine. I mean, you've got Konoplyanka on the bench. You've got Marlos. You've got Piatov, Konoplyanka. I mean, you don't even have Sagankov from, from Dynamo Kiev, who's one of my favorite players uh, out of the top five European leagues. You don't have Andrzej Lunin in goal from Real Madrid. I mean, the, to be fair to Ukraine, they've got some players that, that didn't get called up, and they look like a decently solid team. I mean, a 5-3-2 against any team is going to be difficult to break down at obviously this level. So fair play to Ukraine getting a point. They'll move on to the next one and try and get three. Yeah, um, and this this group I do think is still there for France and Ukraine to advance out of. Most definitely, and and we would assume that France would would will get it rolling here shortly, but will uh, some other stuff to look out for? You know, we've got USA Jamaica tomorrow. Um, I know that today Croatia slipped up one 0 to Slovenia. Uh, Wales lost to Belgium three to one. You saw Lukaku score. Who else did they score? You got Lukaku, Hazard, and uh, Thorgan Hazard. That is. Uh, and De Bruyne, yep. um, some other ones. Yeah, some other ones around the league. I mean, Timu Puki still scoring goals against Bosnia for Finland. Um, and I think an underrated one. Uh, you had uh, Czech Republic six two victors over Estonia. Your boy Thomas Suchek getting a hat trick. Um, and also uh, Norway three no victors. Yes, it was over Gibraltar, but Norway is one of those teams where they've got a lot, a lot of good youth and talent. Um, obviously, uh, Erling Haaland. Sorloth and Odegaard is your front three trio. I mean, that that's a, a deadly trio up front. You've got the likes of Elia Nussi in there. Uh, solid solid goalkeeper in Yarston in the Bundesliga. Decent back line with Svensson, Melling, Lode, and, and Stradenberg. Um, and you got, and you got some guys off the bench. You know, Joshua King, um, Jens Peter Holga, uh, one of my favorite players. I don't even know if he's in the... Oh, excuse me. You know, I'm thinking of someone else who plays for Denmark. Their flags are similar. Excuse <laughs> me, but... Um, I was thinking of uh, Male from uh, he came from Genk. Uh, he plays for Atalanta, the right yep, back. So I have him in career mode. Yep. That's why I've been seeing him a lot. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, yeah. Um, a, a very very solid front three attacking from this Norway side. And if I'm Erling Holland, I, I am jumping for joy right now that I don't have to be the one scoring the goals internationally because I'm doing it enough as it is at club level. Um, so uh, yeah. if you've got anything else uh, in the international ties, we'll move on to a few miscellaneous things and we'll, and we'll wrap it up for the episode. 
Yeah, just a few games to look at. Um, Saturday, you have the likes of Norway, who you just mentioned, uh, a great attacking team against that Turkish team who just thwarted the, the Netherlands. You also have yep. the likes of Serbia against Portugal, Czech Republic against Belgium. These are top national teams. Uh, I know people sometimes sleep on the national competitions and the qualifiers, but those should be three great games. Um, you also have the likes of Scotland playing Israel. Russia, Slovenia is an interesting one as well. Yep, yep. Russia's an interesting one as well. And I think we'll have a really good viewing of England this week with how uh, Gareth Southgate sets up for his for his summer team. He might not have all of his weapons, but he has a lot of them. And I think it'd be enough for us to yeah. evaluate. He's got a he's uh he's got some choices to make coming up in the next year or so cuz uh it's it's a good time to be an England fan to be honest. I mean, they're up there almost with France really in that talent group with with just I mean, they're under 21 teams at both level England and France. I mean, both of those teams could be competing in this World Cup qualifier right now as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I've got nothing else left on the international stuff. Will, I want to take you through some miscellaneous stuff, and we'll wrap it up here. Number one, Messi becoming the all-time Barca appearance leader. Um, I mean, if, if there's words to describe him, please tell me. But I think uh, in the past 15, 16 years, we've summed him up pretty well. Uh, as well as yeah. Ronaldo. Got this, got uh, 770 goals, passes Pele. With his assist, he's now on, what is it, Will, 1,000 goal contributions even across his whole career? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So two uh, two little uh, goats that we couldn't leave out. Uh, Luke, if you're listening, I know you're obviously a big Messi fan and you don't like Ronaldo, but I'll, I'll give them both the goat category today um, as they are both obviously deserving of it. Uh, two records that I really don't know if they'll ever be broken again, at least for, for Messi and all-time appearances. I mean, 700 and what? Is it 69 or 68 now? Um, yeah. I mean, for for to get 200, 250 appearances with one club is astounding as it is, but to triple that is is another feat of its own. So, Will, I've got nothing else left. Do you have any other miscellaneous uh, things you want to go over before we wrap it up here? Yeah, just a quick shout out to the Marietta men's team, starting three and zero, beating ONU, taking care of business versus ONU as well. Yep. Yep. ONU, Otterbein, and Heidelberg. All bite the dust of the pioneers. So, hey, well, great start. Well, one of those teams, well, we could not get over Otterbein, that is, yep. for some reason. Yep. Uh, so, so congrats to the boys. And uh, if you're listening, keep rolling, boys. I know it's a, it's a little bit of a shorter season, but, you know, get that number one place in that OAC uh, bracket and get yourselves a buy for the first week and uh, keep chugging along, you know? BRHD, as the boys would say back home. Yes, sir. So that's going to be it from us this week. As always, you can follow us on any platform you listen to your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, all that good stuff. Follow us at The Small Baller on Twitter to get updates and see when our episodes are released and drop comments. Uh, will and I will, of course, be back next week. We've got uh, some uh, very interesting stuff to talk about next week as well. And we hope to see you guys all there listening with us. So with that being said, that is going to be it from us. And we will see you next week. And peace. Cheers.